Welcome to the Lore Dump. Hey, welcome to our Lore Dump. Mm. Man, this we need to get better at this. This is only the second episode. Introductions are hard. We need to get better. Introductions are hard. Welcome everyone to the Lore Dump. Such That's energy. YouTuber energy I'm bringing to it. Yeah, woo! Uh, this is this is a podcast where we are building a world in front of your very ears. Uh, if you watched the last episode, boy howdy, there was some stuff on there. You should go back and check it out if you skipped it. Yes, yes. This is this is progressive, and I think like this episode we're gonna give you like a quick precursor of what we talked about, but. You should definitely watch it because there's a lot of stuff in there. Also, watching Sean and my minds unfold in real time, fascinating. Train wreck, but fascinating. So highly recommend it. But first... Perfect train wreck. Perfect train wreck. But first, Sean, who are you? I am Mr. Shikadance or nobody. (laughs) I am Mr. Shikadance on social medias. I am also uh, one third of the people who run the Welcome In Twitch channel. With me is the other one of the thirds, Josh. That was good sentence. Uh, yes, it is I, Josh, a.k.a. the governor who does things on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter, but spends most of his time working at the Welcome In with my fantastic friends over there. You should take a look at the Welcome In. Twitch.tv slash the Welcome In. Ton of D&D content. Highly recommend it. He's good stuff. It's really good stuff. Mm-hmm. But right now, okay. we're not the wel- we're not doing the Welcome In. We're doing... The lore dump, which is where Sean and I build a universe for playing D anD D in, or a, we homebrew. Uh, yeah, we, we do homebrew. a little homebrew. We help you all with your homebrew. We do some of our own. It's true. What do what kind of homebrew stuff do we help them out with, Sean? Uh, you know, just general stuff. Uh, like if you got a magic item, or you got a subclass, or your race you're building. Well, you just want to ask us questions about our process. Mm-hmm. You can go ahead and drop those questions at lorddumpquestions at gmail.com oh. or find us on either of our social medias, Twitter at the Lord Dump or Instagram at the Lord Dump. I got them both. And we do all of that in the framework of building our own little universe to play in. Yeah, it's me and Joshy's fun creative time. Yeah, it's playtime. <laughs> <laughs> So we've got some stuff established thus far already. Should we like? Should we go over that real quick? Just because it's only episode two. Just a quick okay. top up, I think, would be fine. So where Sean and I started, because we're uh, intelligent adults, is yeah, professionals. Is we started with a meme. <laughs> uh, so we <laughs> we said which came first, the chicken or the egg, and then we made an astral chicken that pooped out the planet that all of our our individuals live upon. The thing is. The lore is actually fantastic when you take the skin of a chicken off of it. It's really neat. Um, and essentially, right, Sean, this... this the skin is the best part of the chicken. <laughs> I go to KFC, I just eat the skin and animals. <laughs> Let's all agree there. A healthy, balanced diet. Pro tips. I'm dying inside. <laughs> uh, yes, but the, the lore behind the chicken is actually very interesting, and I, I, I do like what we're building so far. Mm-hmm. Essentially, this astral chicken... Um, pooped the planet that we're working with, which is called Toreg, um, mm-hmm. and then left this dimension, um, leaving the egg and the sun, which is its incubator, hurtling through space and collecting debris. The astral chicken, or as we call him, he who calls the dawn, landed on the other side. Jeez, that's bad. But amazing. Uh, and scared the individuals that lived over there, the beings from the other side. 
they sent one of their own back to this dimension and found this egg incubating. Terrified of what it would become, aka a second he who calls the dawn, they have the individual, the being from the other side, has began a clever plan to kind of um, keep the egg from hatching by siphoning its life force. It's not powerful enough to destroy it itself, the being who who's from the other side, uh, and it's worried that if it did destroy it, it might make things worse. So it's begun seeding life on this planet, this egg planet, Toreg, um, and that life kind of essentially through magic casting, which is the source of our magic, um, and just inhabiting the surface of this egg is sapping the life force of the creature that exists within its core. Um, so the sentient lives that lives on live on this planet, aka the players and NPCs, are actually there, little to their own knowledge, because of course this has happened over a billion years, to um, to maintain a balance and keep the planet, the creature within the planet, from hatching. And that's what we've got thus far. It's pretty good. There's some other details we defined, but I'm not going to waste any more time on that. I'm sure it'll come up organically if we need to talk about it. Otherwise, of course, watch of course. the first episode. Also, I've uh, I've just come up with a new rule for myself. Mm-hmm. Every time you say the name uh, "He Who Calls the Dawn," I'm gonna say "Kakaku," because that's what I've deemed is his catchphrase. Kakaku. His followers scream "Kakaku." Kree kree. <laughs> I <laughs> kek. <laughs> okay, no, let's not let's not rabbit hole. Sean. We'll get into immediately devolved. Yeah. All right. What are we talking about today, Joshua? What are we talking about today? Well. When we spoke last week, we kind of talked about like three important things that we need to define when we're doing world building, which is the creation myth, the god, the gods, so on and so forth, where they came from, sources of magic, which we kind of defined as well in last week's episode, um, and then the geography, which again, we kind of started with that creation myth. But I think what we're going to do this week, right, is we're going to make a continent. We know why the continents were formed, why the land masses were formed on this planet's surface, and we know why beings were put there, but what was put there and why. That's what we're going to do today, Sean. Accurate. <clears throat> Accurate. I know. Such Very structure. good stuff. Which inevitably means us spiraling out of control into some sort of rabbit hole, right? Well, we always start off with a spiral and then we correct into genius. So let's start off spiraling. The... Uh, premier continent. What does it look like? Give me that continent. Give me that juicy lore, Josh. Juicy lore. Juicy lore. Okay, so dump it. These on. are not tectonic plates that were shifted around. These are land masses that were essentially um, debris collected on Torig's surface, sculpted into places where our sentient life forms could live. Correct. So our land masses are not the same as like planet Earth's land masses would be. They're kind of no. unique. So I like the idea of I like the idea of of this being from the other side just taking its hands and taking a bunch of the debris and for one continent just kind of pushing it together. And so this <laughs> continent is like like you know when you take sand and there's the flat yeah. lower sections and then pushed into one central point that is this like obviously it's it's hundreds of or thousands of miles across theoretically, but it is all centered around one large um mountain that that seems entertaining to me like what are other ways you could do this what are other ways that a being sculpting the surface of the land might sculpt i mean i really like that idea that the center of this entire landmass is just one big mountain range Mm -hmm. or one big like 
where he couldn't quite get it perfectly up and then it just sort of all slid aside. Yeah, it kind of settled back down a little bit. Yeah, but it is just centered on one large sort of uh, raise in the, the the ground. I like that. That's good. I like that idea. Okay, okay. So that's that's interesting. Consonant one. Yes. Do we? Do we? Should we just focus on one, or do we want to get all of them set? I up think for now? we f- we can focus on one. I was just seeing if there were other ways that that this being might might have done it. But if we like this this format to work with, let's start there. Mm-hmm. I like that format. Yeah. Okay. I don't think okay. we need to name it because usually the residents of the continent name the continent, right? Like the beings there. Those ungrateful pieces of shit. Sure. Yeah. This, this Whatever. Garbage NPCs are gonna. We do all this work and they get to name it. Whatever. That's cool. I guess. I'm gonna. I'm gonna <laughs> reorient you. You do know you're the NPCs as well, right? How about this? How about this? Our audience are the NPCs. Ooh. Audience, you name the continent. What? You send in your questions to the aforementioned links, which is the Lord Dome questions and our two accounts on social media, and you tell us what you'd like the continent to be named. Hey, Sean, what? That's how you run a podcast. What are the names of those social media accounts? Uh, it's at the Lord Dome for Instagram and Twitter. Oh, so good. What amazing Those names. Those are our two, two very good uh, URLs. Okay, okay. Or usernames, not URLs. So you heard it here first because it's the only place you would hear it. You get to yes. name this continent. This was not thought of beforehand. You get to name the continent, NPC. Do our work for us, please. No, well, that is not do the I'm work kidding, for I'm us, kidding, but help us with help our work us. that we're already doing. Contribute to this but world. But also do it for us Ugh. also um so they're gonna name it okay i think that's good that is good. and i think i think i like the idea of just from anywhere on this continent you can just see the mound in the middle from a distance mm-hmm. and everyone's just sort of like envious of the mound is there like is there like some sort of nation that controls the top of the mound it's like the high oh, ground definitely. it's not like i don't like the idea of putting like a king up there mm-hmm but I do like the idea of one like very affluent group of people taking that as their own. Mm-hmm. It's like the just pinnacle. In case, literally, yes. It is like the echelon, the highest echelon of society yes. claims the mound as their own. It's probably like really resource rich because as everything settled oh, the away, the, the really nice resources were sitting right at the top. So whatever nation or city state or whatever is up there has is like really wealthy from like a resource perspective as well yeah the people who live at the base of the mound are well paid not rich but they're well paid miners mm. a well paid like mining community mm-hmm. I like that. Uh, that work for the people who live with top it okay that's beautiful that's I like that's that. genius okay so we've got yes. we've got like we've got some what are some other features that might happen like i like the you know when you like do a sandcastle and then it all starts to settle and then the water seeps out and it yes. cracks yeah like there's these massive continent spanning cracks that run down this this structure or this this from this pinnacle in spots and they mm-hmm. create these kind of environmental borders or hazards as part of it as well okay like ravines. Yeah, basically. ravines. They could be big, they could Formed. be small. You know. Maybe they don't span the entire continent. But I mean, they're probably pretty big though. Yeah. Um hmm. So ravines are good. Rivers, forests, 
I don't. Where does this sit in in regards to the equator? Where does this one? Um. I assume we have an equator. We do have an egg equator. Boo! Fuck off! Cuck off! We do have an equator. Um, I think this would be probably above it. Let's just assume we have a north and south pole of some sorts. So, yes. um, is that is it kind of sitting between the equator and the north pole, or is it adjusted more north, or is it closer to the equator? Does the continent have like, hmm. uh, like, like because that's going to inform our biome? Where does the this is me getting really geographical with it now, but I like to establish land mass. Here's, here's the thing. I like the idea of the people who exist on the mound living there, not just because it's like a wealthy or rich mountain, but because it's temporarily perfect. Oh, So it's like in the exact area of the, like the planet where the, the equator, it's far enough away from the equator and the poles to be temporarily perfect so the temperature the temperature and it's the right altitude as well like it's not so it's like the perfect weather all year round there okay i like that and it like the way it sits too like clouds tend to form around it and underneath it so it sits the city above the clouds which is a denver reference that's what they call denver is the yeah it could be a reference to your homeland so i love that perfect city above the clouds which is like this this grand, I, I want to have multiple nations on this continent. Like, I feel like it's a huge, even though it's got this central pinnacle, even like the top of this pinnacle, this plateau, so to speak, is probably massive. Like, like yes, very, yes, very yes, big. Yes, fully. And so I like the idea of like, maybe there's like a rule. This continent has an established, because it's, maybe this is one of the more civilized continents. It has an established center of power where multiple nations meet. And that's this city above the clouds. Yes. Now, hear me out. Okay. A little something about the most affluent people. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of it has to do with mining. Mm-hmm. What if most of them are dwarves? You know, I'm not going to What if dwarves are the richest people on this planet? Like, dwarves are known for being incredibly wealthy. I like it. You, do, you don't see dwarves put in the forefront. A lot of the time, like, they're very... They're usually stuck under a mountain in very hardy creatures. In the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what have we made them a center to the society? And yeah. their culture is being inherited across this continent. Like, it's, you see yes. dwarven architecture and dwarven builds by the various, various populations. Like, yeah. there's temples to dwarven gods, which yeah. are the ones that have been adopted from our shard, are, are put in there. I like that. Mm-hmm. When we talk about the. I like that. I very much like that that dwarves get their day in the sun in this planet because you love them so much. I like But that. I also love the idea of like humans being like, Oh yes, I had the most famous dwarven architectures design my home. It's it's very dwarven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the aesthetic is yeah. like very popular. Yeah. It also allows us to play with like very Viking and Norse aesthetics, like Skyrim esque, yeah. which I Ooh, like. Yeah. But like like take it you know, like um like um like in Black Panther, where they do like they do mm-hmm. African architecture, but in like a postmodern style, and very much like bring it up Futurist. and celebrate yeah, yeah, yeah. it. And I would love to see that done across the continent. Um, 
that's cool like or at least in the affluent places mm-hmm. yeah there's and there's still you know but i i adore that like high high civilization variants of, of high dwarvish architecture <laughs> God, this is your podcast. This podcast is just. This is. Why are you so good to me? Okay, so (laughs) we've just given me a whole thing. Now we need to give you a thing. Um, Rangers don't exist as a class. Yes, perfect. We're even. (laughs) Rangers don't exist on this planet. (laughs) No rangers. Uh, No rangers. (laughs) Rangers are just fighters or rogues. I I uh, I I want to see something minotaur related for you i like i like a good minotaur I like a good minotaur i don't think they get enough respect they don't again what about uh, like in ravnica minotaurs are not a lot of the time in D fantasy even in theros minotaurs are these tribal barbaric roaming nomadic peoples which is cool awesome fluff what if we is. didn't do that Oh, what are they then? High society style minotaurs. Hmm. That's interesting. Doesn't does not defined far, just conceptual. I like turning things on their heads sometimes. I like the idea of a minotaur not as like this big jacked guy, but like a slender bull humanoid with like elegant robes and like decadent jewels. I do like that. I do like that aesthetic. Where like, they've, I like the idea that minotaurs have almost been bred out of that pure animalistic strength aspect. And in this world, they're more of like high society brainy types. Mm-hmm. Or clergy. What clergy. if there was an inherent connection to Ooh. like one of the shards, one of the the shards of the being from the other side? What if there was an inherent connection there of some sort that made... That shard created minotaurs yeah. to be its speakers yeah something like that right Mm, interesting i like that because in in ravnica not ravnica i think it's ravnica with the loxodron yeah ravnica they do that with the loxodron the loxodron are yeah exactly or they're like inherently in tune to certain spiritual practices right like the world tree yeah, yeah yeah sort of thing with elves or whatever but we do that with minotaurs like make them have a not obligatory because anybody should be allowed to do what they want with their races but right a fluff to their society yeah i almost like it to be uh and uh, like you, you know they have the eberron uh orcs or like something different from another book source i like it if we had like toreg minotaurs i love that that had like intelligence or charisma boosts to, instead of strength and constitution let's do it. i actually really like the idea of that that being the twist we do for minotaurs in this world i adore that i i love yeah. that like some things we can play into tropes some things we can turn on their heads but i i think that's cool yeah very cool that's really cool so let's talk population densities we've established mm-hmm. kind of the dwarves as the facilitators of high civilization we'll say right yes are they the most densely populated on the continent? Is that here's, another race? Here's the problem with um, race density mm. is you have to factor in their lifespan. Mm-hmm. So the lifespan for a dwarf is much long longer than a human would be. So I think there would still intrinsically be more humans. More humans. Because if there was just as many dwarves as there were humans, there would be trillions of dwarves forever. I like that. 
the same with elves. If there was like just as many elves as there were humans, there would be nowhere else for anyone else to live because everything would be elves. Guys, I'm going to real quick pause, Sean. This is a pro tip. Like this is a thing that you don't think about when you're world building that Sean has just teased out here and brought to light in our crafting process. This is really good to consider. Like this isn't like lifespan is critically important when you're thinking yeah. about these things. Uh, I think in the book, it actually gives like, it's, it's the weirdest thing I've ever seen in the player's handbook, but it's true. If you go look it up, there is a sperm on the page for elves. There is a literal, actual, biologically, anatomically correct sperm on that page drawn in art by Wizards of the Coast. Well done, Wizards. It's because they're talking about the birth rate of elves and how long they take to, like, be born. Mm -hmm. Because their lifespans are so much longer and how... Shut up! Because of how rare it is for, like, an elven child to sort of make it through that long birthing process. Mm -hmm. it, it, it speaks to the fact that there are less elves because they take longer to make and their lives are so long that they're like, eh, I'll have a kid whenever. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a big deal. Whereas humans is like, I hit 30 without a kid. I'm not having kids. Elves are essentially millennials. Yes. <laughs> they're, they're, uh, centurion millennials. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so density-wise, we're still talking humans, kind of trying to stick to the standard, the yeah. standard lifespans of the races, so that we don't overcomplicate. Because when you're thinking about these worlds, especially like the way Sean and I are doing this, the idea is that other people would be able to leverage this content. That means that it still Easily. needs to align with the books and the lore to some extent. Yeah. There, you and can't any drastic just... change like with the Minotaur. We would just make our own homebrew race. Exactly. And then as a DM, of course, if you came into that world, you could say traditional Minotaurs exist over here, right? Yes. Um, but just be kind of cognizant of that is, is really important. So that's a really good. Yeah. Idea. So humans, population dense, dwarves, again, kind of the prevalent um, culture. I, that's, that's the key there. They're the prevalent culture. A lot of other societies yes. are looking at and not, not being washed over by dwarven culture, but adopting it. Um, right. kind of globalization style um, into yeah. their day-to-day. -day. Um, I adore that. Yeah, I do. I don't know. I like the aesthetic of like an uh, an affluent uh, snooty dwarf because you never really see that. They're always practical and like straightforward and hearty. Yeah, and they're very like, like really up his own ass and like needs to be pampered and shit. I think that's hilarious. They go around with like entourages and things like yeah. that. Yeah. God, that's good. So we're talking about this prevalent culture. What kind of technologies do they have at this point? Where are we establishing Ooh, that's them a in good the question. timeline? Because technology that's a really, is crucial. Well, it's a high sort of magic world. We've already established that. But is it like steampunky? I don't... I, don't I like... To... I like magic mm -hmm. punk. Yeah. Like fantasy punk. Arcane punk. Yes. Mm -hmm. I do like that like an airship can exist without there being cog monsters or i would be upset in a world where airships couldn't exist i think yeah. as a person yeah um, i like the way dnd does airships where they're not technology they're magic technology they're magic tech. Yeah. yeah yeah that's why high magic settings are so good because you can make anything you want to exist mm -hmm. just in a different visual aspect exactly also i like the 
I like any world where the possibility of a fight with a dinosaur on an airship exists. A hundred percent. Yes. So there are also canonical dinosaurs. Uh, Absolutely. That that proves it. Maybe even in, maybe the southern reaches of this continent are where it gets near the equator. There's some jungling. We Ooh. could put some dinosaurs on this very continent. I do like that. I also like the um, aspect of sort of from a top-down perspective looking at this continent. It's almost like rings out. Not Ooh, like physical yeah. rings, but like this is where like this many... The biome sort of encircles. Sort of, yeah. Yeah. Because it's the same material just sort of scooped up. Yeah. And then and the it just can be a little different because it's other crap that he dropped. It's really only... The only thing that's adjusting really on the latitude would be temperature, right? The further yes. north you get. But altitude within those rings remains the same and populations yeah. tend to maintain, maintain the same. Yeah. The northern reaches then, being a little cooler, but not a ton. Also, there's the thing to think about that the innermost affluent society doesn't have access to a port. So they probably created airships so that they could have a port to have things imported. You are thinking like an anthropologist, my friend. A... That is exactly it. Airships were like... a necessity. <laughs> I don't know. I really like the idea of all of these rich dwarves saying, well, we don't want to walk to get stuff. and We don't want to have ships brought all the way up river because that's ridiculous. And we don't even know if they'd make them. At the higher reaches, I would assume there's waterfalls that you can't even. There is no way of trade beyond beyond airship pretty much for the city they'd have to out of necessity develop airships specifically for cargo transportation and like importing wealthy things that they want i like that i love that yes because like like lumber there's probably not a lot of lumber at the the top of the uh the pinnacle yeah but there is like this city has a skyport yes skyport it's just like a bunch of docks shooting off of this mound yeah you see airships coming up to it all day non-stop in and out from across mm-hmm. the continent this tiny dwarven golden city on the hill yeah and it just oh. shines in the sun and again like the clouds never really get high enough so it's almost like when you're coming in as an airship it's a golden city with a sea of clouds around it yes oh that's good stuff it's i really love that good. imagery i also just realized that uh people taking on dwarven architecture have to account for the height differential mm-hmm so everything that the humans make that is dwarvish is much bigger. It's like blown out dwarven architecture, which is because yeah. it like that's globalization too. That's yeah. these races are going to make these dwarven things their own. It's not going to be the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the impact of that, that prevalent culture is going to be less and less the further out you go on the ring as well. Yes. That I is very cool. I like how the structure of this continent also allows us to practice these concepts in a very mm-hmm. structured way, right? Yes. So I know a lot of the time people will look at, we're going back to this geography element that we were talking about. A lot of the time people will look at a continent and they'll just start drawing a bunch of squiggles and lines, which is great. Like you can have, like continents, plant, they look weird. Yeah. But you have to understand fairly familiar and be fairly in, in um, um you have to you have to have a good understanding of how then cultures would formulate along those land masses so what we've mm-hmm. done here is for the sake of this podcast and for the, our own sanity because we're saying these things out loud we've made something that we can work with quite easily um 
from like a geographical perspective, which is good. Like that's that's <laughs> that's another probably tip to take away. If you're doing this for the first time, don't go crazy with the shapes of your land masses and the elements on it. Start with something simple that you can dot things into um, if you're wanting yeah. to think from, especially an anthropological perspective. Start as simply as you can. Yeah. And it's also easier to do this because there we've already established that there was a creature with thought who went into making this section of the world. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not just like there was a landmass. It formed randomly. This can be formed with some semblance of, like, structure because it was designed that way from the beginning. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good stuff. So thinking about this from a timeline perspective, the city obviously didn't spring up over a day after no. the continent was formed, right? So how long has this how long has this continent has been inhabited and what catastrophic events, global, physical, cultural have occurred in that continent's history? What are things that define that landmass? Um a war. A war? A war is always a good. War is always good. Uh there was also a ooh a predator could have lived on top of the the mound. Oh, so until they got rid of the beast. predator, they couldn't have taken the mound for themselves. I like that. That's all. That's always good for a good quest. And it's like it's a mythos around that society too. The yeah. dwarves of blah 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 fought the great ancient golden dragon. Blah yeah. blah blah. Almost like, how about this? Dwarven explorers from another continent came here, found that there was a mineral-rich, like, section, and found that it was guarded by some sort of creature. So the long-ago, much hardier dwarves set to killing this thing so they could claim the mountain as their own, and over time, they've become these decadent, fancy son-of-rich boys. I like that. I like that a lot. I, I one thing you've touched upon that's critically important here, and we haven't done this, which is fine, is you've established that this is not the cradle of civilization. Yeah. The main, the primary, at least the leading culture on this planet migrated to this continent. There may yes. have been existing tribes, like perhaps the Minotaurs were already here, and their spiritual practices were adopted by the Dwarven societies or one of the nations here, right? But mm-hmm. I like that it's it's the the kind of focal civilization that would be normally seen in a lot of D and D worlds. It didn't start here; it was brought here. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Okay, so we've got <coughs> dwarves coming to the continent to claim the summit and eventually establish the city above the clouds. Mm-hmm. We've got a war. When does the war happen? Why? The war happens. I think after the dwarves have cleared the beast. Mm, Makes sense. Other people meet them there and are like, well, what if we all have it? Or what if we want it instead? Mm -hmm. Then they have a war over the resources there. Someone lays claim to it. Yeah. And then over time, they lose to the dwarves. I like that. Of course you do. Of course. Okay, let's. I'm going to tie these minotaurs back in. Why? Okay. Because I can. Sure. <laughs> Intrigue and plot. 
faction creation, right? Like we're developing essentially factions to to fight with each other sure. um, across this continent. Or have bad blood at least. Yes, or have bad blood or, or there's some possible conflict blowing, brewing. Why did the dwarves win? Hmm. What if the minotaurs and their religious affiliation aided them i do like that we're we're getting very close to a founding of america we are we're doing very like colonial style because i was gonna say what if someone sent the dwarves here to check out this land they found it to be very good land and we're like well we can just like what if the other continent in the first race were elves the elves sent the dwarves here back when they were still mountain-dwelling... Hardy, boys. tough explorers. They said, you go explore the wilderness, and then they found out that this place is not only barely inhabited, but mineral-rich and can be a very good life for the dwarves here. So our war so like, well, is it. a war of, of revolution. It's the Revolutionary War. It's literally... I'm just... We're making Hamilton. I mean, it's kind of contemporary. <laughs> I love it. Let's let's. We need a dwarf like named it. Hamilton, <laughs> Alexander Hamilton. Yeah. So they came here. They sort of conquered. They conquered the new world in the form of felling this beast with groups of dwarves, just sort of, you know, almost like person versus environment. Overcame that struggle. Then they settled here, began mining, became incredibly affluent and then when the elves came for their share they were like piss off screw off yeah we don't need you anymore fuck you we got gold i like it i like it a lot yeah and they were able to win with the aid of the other with the aid and the knowledge of the minotaurs who existed here before them but not in like a not in like a john smith we're gonna kill all the native americans kind of way right in like a very like respectful like this is your land we only hope to claim section of it for our own freedom and they're like sure we'll help you treat it almost as equal sort of thing pretty much yeah yeah dwarves are not bad dwarves are good guys who may have become shitty over time yes we're not certain elements of their culture has become hedonistic perhaps that also leaves a contingent of dwarves in the original location that are still hardy boys if you want to play that instead Mm -hmm. that's perfect Mm -hmm. also key iconic figure in history Xander Hammerton Xander Hammerton was he a dwarf he was a dwarven leader of the rebellion dwarven leader of the rebellion known for his tactical practical brilliance if you're trying to make that meme he probably shouldn't be a dwarf that's true maybe he's a maybe there's a human element to this maybe he was a human yeah yeah and because his life was so short <laughs> he had to do as much work as he can. <laughs> He's he not giving like away he his shot. Out of time. Yeah. Why do you fight like you're running out of time? <laughs> Sorry, I on. love that. I love that so much. <laughs> it's really good, actually. <laughs> I love Xander how... Hammerton. Is that what you said? Xander Hamilton. Yeah. Xander Hamilton, the yeah. the social hero of the dwarves. Yeah. Who came or from the a new, s- the new land dwarves? A small island nation off the coast. Um migrated in search of knowledge that could be found at the city above the yeah. clouds he was some sort of war wizard um he's yeah or a bard or bard Ooh, or both <laughs> oh yes. actually that would be really cool um a 
College of Swords or Valor Bard. I was going to say Eloquence. Eloquence is... Okay, yeah, that's true. Eloquence would be really good for him. If you're building yeah. Xander Hammerton, he would be the, an Eloquence The author, bard. yeah, that's true, that's true. Oh, I love that, I love that. Okay. Are you aware that we're making history? <laughs> this is the first murder trial of a brand new nation. I like how a lot of the things that fuel what we do are just memes, and it's the best. Like, But if, if you don't know, if you don't listen to this podcast and you just play in this world, you're like, this is pretty cool. This is This fucking... is just a normal world. Yeah. Because you guys, is. our listeners, are getting a peek behind the screen, as we like to say. It's it's brilliant. I love it. I've said it everywhere I've ever talked about DMing. It's all about just stealing good ideas from other places and mm-hmm. turning them into something else. Yeah. yeah. So with the creation myth, that was just funny jokes, but they all turned into something that we can actually use. Yeah. With this, it's literally just Hamilton, but we've changed it to be... <laughs> about dwarves and elves and humans <laughs> and a magic continent perfect. and an egg in space yeah. it's great and, and it's great there's this line we're walking because if you want to make a meme world go for it this isn't a meme world like that's not the intent of what we're no. doing here this is a serious world but a lot of things that sound memey as you start to flesh them out become real tangible things and yeah. the players can engage with them in a very unique way I love mm-hmm. it Oh, man. Yeah. Okay. So we've got two major historic... Three, really. The migration. Mm-hmm. The slaying of the beast atop the pillar, which is what I'm yeah. canonically calling this mountain uh, or mountain range. The pillar. Yeah. I like it. And then uh, with the greatest mountain in the middle. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then the war the with the elves. Yeah, the pillars. I love that. Ooh, that's yeah. good. The they pillars. live atop the grand pillar. Yeah, that's the main one. Um, I also like the idea, just like the general, like rumors around the surrounding area. Mm-hmm. Like, not everyone believes this, but a, a good amount of people believe that the the ones who live atop the grand pillar actually do talk to deities and gods up there, like an Olympus sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, yeah, people who live out there like have some sort of direct connection to the gods. They don't. But they don't fucking know that. Well, They're they see, they see these these technologies like airships soaring through the mm-hmm. sky, and that's out a million miles outside of their reach, right? Yeah. Like to them, almost this technology coming from the city above the clouds, from the Grand Pillar, is is beyond anything they could ever possibly imagine. Um, yeah. And so there is this projection of demigod onto these individuals, these minotaurs, yes. and these dwarves that live atop this mountaintop there is a really good quote about like when science seems so advanced or at a certain point science is so advanced that to the mundane eye it is magic mm-hmm. that's exactly. almost what i'm thinking for these people they're like this is this is must be the work of gods because i don't know how magic can come up with that i love it i love it yeah that's awesome we could talk weather patterns a little bit because when geography comes sure. up weather patterns come up and when weather patterns come up forests and deserts and things like that come so up. it doesn't ever rain in this place right because it's above the clouds not on the pillar but the rest of the continent yeah i would imagine that the next ring after the pillars is quite densely rained upon because all mm-hmm. of the cloud cover coming off of the oceans that surround yeah. this continent 
essentially catches and then spins around the pillars, dumping mm -hmm. all of the water onto what essentially would be in the northern quarter a rainforest. Uh, yes. I, I, I like high um, an alpine or not an alpine, a um, like a redwood rainforest. And in the southern quarter would be a more tropical rainforest. Yeah. That makes sense. Like the base, the basically the base is surrounded by this thick forest of varying kinds. Yeah. That's interesting. I like that. And there could and be like, like grasslands and plains like further out. And then even like, I like the idea of like beaches being extensive flats and swamplands yes. like in the lowest. Yeah. Quarters. And then just dropping into the sea. Yeah. Exactly. If they're like cliffs or like slowly going, if they're like sand still. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also like the idea of those forests, those like heavy, heavily forested areas are where they have to mine in. Yeah. So it's also very dangerous to have a mining camp there because there are things that could live in these heavily jungle forested areas that could very easily just kill you. Yes. And there are these like grand operations like. Yeah. Like massive lumber operations and massive mining operations located mm -hmm. in various locations. I so think that is really cool. We had established. Um, I don't think there's any deserts, like no major deserts on this. Not on this continent. Not no. on this continent. We established, yeah. though, um, that there might be multiple nations or city states on this continent. Yes. How does that manifest? What's the relationship with the pillars, with the city above the clouds? What, I think what there are should those? be one at the base. Like around that area, there should be one livable town or city at the base of the mountain. Oh, so you don't think there's multiple? See, because no, I'm... no, no. I'm just saying, like, it, one of them should be at the base. I'm not gotcha. saying it's the only one. I'm saying there one of the many should be gotcha, gotcha, located at the base of the mountain because I think or the pillar. So because like that would the pillar, and then there's this like like kind of more standard or poorer population lives in this town down yes. the pillars mm -hmm. i like that i like it being built into the geography of the pillars too like these soaring mountaintops yeah and then there's this rain-soaked town where it's beneath the clouds below mm -hmm. nestled into like this big cut or gully into the mountain range yeah i think that's a that's pretty good, good yeah. little hamlet and that's a part of the pillar's direct control, or that's its own? Um, I would say they probably own a vast majority of that town uh -huh. because they own a vast majority of the mines and the people who work for those mines live there. Okay, so this is a part of the city of the, the yeah. cloud's political structure. They're not independent. And again, it's probably not that poor. It's actually probably a pretty nice town yeah. because of how well they pay them yeah. up top. So. I like that, yeah. And it's got quite a fair amount of technology. Again, not quite what you see mm -hmm. up on the pillars, but it's like it's like kind of London-y, wet, but quite civilized yeah. kind of thing. And also, it leaves a lot of room for ports because this, this place is surrounded by water on all sides. So there could be a lot of really large ports on different sides of the continent. Yes. And yeah, yeah, I like that. I like the idea that maybe there is this one huge river that's formed 
nearly at the city above the or somewhere along the pillars mm-hmm. and they build this town on that river as well so that sailing could come in and out because then theoretically there's like hundreds of miles of flatland before you hit the sea even after you've dropped in elevation yeah you know what i mean yeah they could do that yeah i like that so so at least the pillars are controlled by this this dwarven population the city above the clouds and then they have a stretch that leads out down beyond the mountains Again, it's not claim. all dwarves. It's a mostly dwarves. right. I, I say I'm just saying that for brevity's sake. But yes. there's all kinds of there's a big hodgepodge of culture up there. I'm sure. I also think that there'd be a large uh, population on this continent, or sort of scattered about this continent, of minotaurs. Yes. Who they just they didn't like stick them on. Uh, Was it preservations? Right. They're just like you can. We're going to be up there, so you guys can do whatever you want with down here. Just go crazy. And there's like a international accord that these Minotaurs can live and reside in any national border. They're essentially like protected by these rich dwarves. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. Let's develop like one other nation. Like... One just, other nation? Yeah, like another, another population that's self-governing, but loosely allied perhaps like they don't Um, have to be a direct conflict with dwarves but here's the thing i think that humans are on every continent they're right they have something everywhere because they are so many pervasive yes they're like the cockroaches of society (laughs) in these worlds not to sound mean to humans but they're like they're ambitious and they're they breed fast and they live everywhere yeah you don't have the numbers to stop humans so you just let them do their thing so maybe like um, a, a human nation or two? I mean, there doesn't need to be. I'm just saying, like, I think there are humans in everything. So if you want to right. have another nation of, like, specifics. Yeah. Sorry, I'm, I, when, I, when I say these things, I say, um, I say them from, like, I, I say these things from, like, a population density or cultural prevalence perspective. So again, with the understanding that always, and and you should keep this in mind as a DM, most races are going to like be mixed and, and different groups of like people will be together and living in these places. And Sean touched upon it earlier, but we're talking about um, cultural dominance isn't the right word because that's a terrible concept, but certain things will rise to the top as relevant in a space or in a society. What about this? What if, and I'm, there's probably other cities and towns on this continent as well. Yeah. But what if there's just like collections of halflings? Yeah, kind of like Hobbit-esque. Yeah. But more like hidden, like no one sees halflings and gnomes. Which should be the same thing. Just choose different racial abilities. One's more magical, one's more physical. <laughs> Or do you want to keep them different? Because that's up to you and me. What do you want to do? I don't care. I think they should be the same thing. Okay. But I think the statistics of it can be either or. Okay, so you pick a gnome or a halfling and they're called the same thing. Yeah. A gnomeling. A gnomeling, sure. We'll call them gnomelings. It's perfect. Okay, cool. So they're essentially like variants on halfling or... Or gnome. Yeah. 
Okay. And they're like very small clusters of tribes, just sort of all in the jungle regions, and maybe some that skirt into the plains. But they're all very like, se- like not secretive, but they're very to themselves and hidden. I think. Gotcha, gotcha. That makes sense. I like that. Yeah. Kind of a a mythical group you could search out for some reason. Kind of, yeah. They intuit things differently. Yeah. I think that's good. I like the idea of... So we've established this um, conflict with the elves when these dwarven explorers left for this continent. I like the idea of there being some sort of society um, that's independent, like a maybe a city-state on one shore that controls a huge stretch of land a couple hundred miles um, with its own hamlets and resources and things like that, which is more um, amicable towards those across the sea. That is, so it's, it, it likes the elves that the dwarves escaped from all those years ago. Yes. There are, for trade reasons or religious reasons or political reasons, a connection there that creates the possibility for tension. I like that. And I also like the fact that they might own a lot of the seaports, mm-hmm. which is another reason they created skyports. Yes. They control, like maybe they control most of the habitable land on the western coast um and and that's where the best harbors are um Mm. like natural resource like natural harbors and so they they are able to maintain sea trade in the region which again forces that airship technology um that's awesome i like that i I like i always like putting things where there's a potential for conflict yes that doesn't yet exist that gotcha. the players can or there might be tension there that you can pluck on to make actual like mm-hmm. uh, yeah if you need a story arc or you need to do something interesting in this world there's a relationship that is is great yeah. in each other the more That's political cool. side of things rather than the egg related side of things yeah yeah I like it I like it that's good that's good that's good that's good that's good that's good, good, okay. good, 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 good. alright let's put a relic Let's put a relic on this continent. You want a relic on this an continent? Old relic. Let's say. How, how powerful a relic? Are we talking like anything beyond your legendary? Heart dreams of mm. an artifact, an artifact level, uh, something that was placed here. I like it. Or something that already exists existed here, that was kept here. Hear me out. Okay. The beast that originally lived on the mound? Mm-hmm. What if there's, like, a horn of it that okay. one of the people on top of this mound have? Mm-hmm. Like, they, it's been passed down from whoever felled that beast originally, and it gets passed down from dwarf to dwarf as they gain their family's wealth. Mm-hmm. Hmm. What, what would that horn be? We've talked about the weather a lot across this continent what if the reason the clouds accumulated around this city was related to that horn Ooh, so the clouds are below their this city yeah they're drawn to the mountain because this was some sort of storm dragon creature and 
this storm dragon when it was slain they kept the horns and or the horn but because of that yeah. some of the inherent magic almost acts like a magnet for this weather so while it doesn't raise above the mountain it does control the weather patterns across the continent which is another reason that these this society atop the pillars has a lot of control because they could quite literally dictate if a harvest is going to be good or bad on the continent oh that's really good that is really i like that the ability for them to be able to like dictate how the weather is going to go it's just evil rich people stuff that people talk about in real life exactly it's like, like the billionaires have weather machines and you could do like a there could be a a an adventure hook right could be like steal the horn from the dwarves to free the continent like or not the dwarves yeah. but the residents of the pillar um you know or it could be protect the pillar because the the residents of the pillar are actually doing a good job of not abusing it like the, the family that has it currently is very benevolent and one of the other families wants to take it yes that would be awesome that's that's very good i like that i like that so this weather artifact yeah the horn of blah 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 the storm colors horn Ooh, storm colors I like the um, I like the mythos that begins to develop around that. This continent's trade and commerce and religion is all very dependent upon the storm as well. So there's like this element of like... And there's not a lot of people know why the weather is so unpredictable here. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have like a specific like... There's no pattern to follow because it's at the dwarves' will mm -hmm. when it changes and when it, you know, acts up. So and because of that, there is this this sort of like it adds to that god mythos of like they definitely talk the gods up there. Yeah, they're asking them to do things. For Everything us. goes their way all the time with the weather. It's really weird. Yeah, spicy, 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 spicy. spicy. They get that lore dump in there. Get this big dump of lore. <laughs> nice name drop, Sean. Well done, sir. Hey, well, they're listening to our show. They should know the name. So, we've got this continent. And this continent was formed by this being from the other side when they were beginning to sculpt the land masses. They sculpted this one basically by pulling all the, de the debris together in almost this hand-like motion that created this very circular landmass that peaks mm -hmm. in the center with this mountain range in the center of this circular continent called the Pillars. And one of the creatures that originally has resided atop the Pillars... Um, and the kind of the original inhabitants is there was this dragon, this storm dragon. There were also minotaurs with a close theological connection to one of the gods of the pantheon that we have yet to establish. But um, they already resided here along with some gnomlings um, in the jungle reaches of this kind of continent, which it spans from basically the equator up into some more northern reaches that create these complex weather patterns around this pillar mountain range, which is this massive mountain range. Eventually, these dwarvish explorers, um, along with humans and many other races, crossed over from uh, a land controlled by elven, uh, the elven political structure. They landed here, um, established a fairly peaceful society after slaying the dragon atop this mountain but they took hold of this artifact that granted them the power over the weather in this space and they began to like gain in wealth and riches there were lots of resources that allowed them to create this great city atop this mountain 
and that influence spread across the continent. But there are still factions and groups and nations there that are not in war, but in opposition with these dwarves. Eventually, they went to war with the elves to free themselves entirely, um, gaining full control of the continent to an extent. Again, with these other factions still existing, right? Um, is there anything I've missed there? Like, don't think so. They named the city the city above the clouds. These minotaurs were granted kind of free reign to treat this land across all boundaries and borders as as still their own. Um, yeah. That's I like the city above the clouds having a more specific name, but we can deal with that at yeah. another time. Yeah, this is just easy to easy to say. Right? Yeah, but that's all perfect. That's a good lore dump there, Josh. We we just we lore dumped, guys. We dumped all over the books on this one. So, if folks have questions, right, or want yes. tidbits, they're going to reach yes. out to us at they would. loredumpquestions at gmail dot com or lore dump the lore dump Twitter the lore dump at the lore dump at twitter instagram, instagram. either of those two so you send that on and, to us and we yeah. answer those questions or questions or requests if you have them for any specific things you want to see us try and whip up yeah uh moving forward i think after next episode we're going to start sectioning off the second half for audience specific questions once we get all those in and then we're gonna you know split the show half and half from there on out but just getting the basis of the world so we can start building stuff in it has been pretty key to these first few episodes and it's been a good like way to kind of conceptualize grand things right and think about defining some very large topics mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i uh i will like also if you guys come up with names other than like we asked you to name the continent but if you have a good idea for things let us know we'll yeah. see if we can work that in as well especially for like names and stuff like that because mm -hmm. so send in those continent name ideas and also if you think about naming the dwarven city on the mountain mm -hmm. that's a good one too <laughs> i for one am looking forward to homebrewing up that storm dragon yeah Ooh. the fuck that's gonna be real fun storm dragon we've got some work to do on um xander hammerton as well Is our it? iconic figure mr xander hammerton <laughs> <laughs> is Mr. Sander Hammerton. Your soldiers are waiting in the wings for you. <laughs> I just I just picture the Elven King for George the Third. Or for King George. What comes next? <laughs> Soon you seed. That's gonna Do be fun. You know? Anyways, we're rambling here at the yeah, end. Yeah, we are. No particular reason. <laughs> Hashtag uh, content. This has been the Lord Dump. We look forward to hearing from you in the future. Good night and good news. Bye. What? Bye. <laughs> Bye. 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 Bye.